Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about picking and pulling, picking disorder, trichotillomania, which is hair pulling. And I think it's important to cover because it tends to be a comorbid condition with anxiety and OCD. So it is not OCD and it's not anxiety, but they tend to go together like two peas in a pod. And so many of us out there who are parenting kids with anxiety or parenting kids with OCD may have a picker or puller and not know what to do about that. And I also think that that behavior is often misconstrued as a sign of pure stress or pure anxiety. And that's not always the case. So I thought I would bring an expert to the podcast to talk about this since it is not my expertise and I'm dealing with a little person who has this issue. So I invited Anila to the show and Anila is the creator of Keen, which is habit wear. She created this bracelet that notifies you when you're picking and pulling. It's actually an incredibly cool product. And I also invited Ellen to the show to join us too, because Ellen is the director of sales and awareness at Keen, but she's also a puller herself and she has some great tips too. So we had a really nice discussion between Anila, Ellen, and myself about what it feels like to be a puller. They give really good insight because they both are pullers and how to parent a child who is picking or pulling. They gave a lot of suggestions and advice that I completely was not doing <laughs> with my own little six-year-old, Miss Six, who is a picker, and Miss 14, who is a puller. So, And I am actually a, a, a picker, so confession there. And there was a lot of counterintuitive advice that I just didn't think about and things that I wasn't really probably doing correctly with my own daughter. I also put this interview up on YouTube. So I'm putting all my interviews up on YouTube. I'm not going to put my actual podcast when I'm just talking to you directly on YouTube because that's too much work, but my interviews will be up on YouTube. And also if you haven't visited my YouTube channel lately, I am now moving towards just kids videos, videos directly for your kids about anxiety or their OCD. And I'm hoping to maybe help kids who maybe are having a hard time and they're struggling or they don't want to see a therapist or just as a supplement to their therapy. That is my hope to just give some psychoeducational support to kids with anxiety and OCD. So you can visit my YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash C backslash anxious toddlers 78 and check out my interviews and my kids YouTube. So at the end of this interview, Um, when I wrap it up and I talk at the end, after I have talked to Anila and Ellen, I'm going to tell you a little bit about how it's been going with my own daughter since I interviewed them, because that was quite a few weeks ago in real time. And so a lot has happened since then. If you're enjoying my podcast, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes and you can subscribe to my YouTube channel. So your kids are getting some support as well. If you're finding like you're benefiting from my podcast or my YouTube channel, feel free to leave a review. That is great feedback for me, but it's also great support for the show. So you can hit a star on iTunes and that gives some feedback just with that little motion, or you can leave a review and tell people what you're getting from my show, or you can leave a comment on my YouTube channel. Anyway, without further ado, let's go talk to Anila and Ellen. Well, I want to welcome Anila and Ellen to the show. Thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Yeah, this is a great topic because this is a topic that I really haven't written about. I haven't talked about. And partly it's because um, I pick. (laughs) And so I really need somebody who has a little bit more experience to come on and talk about this with everybody. And you guys are perfect because I feel like you are incredibly knowledgeable, both with your own experience and just with the community. So I think it'd be good to just start with what is a BFRB? Because nobody even, most of the parents listening to this probably have never heard that acronym. They probably don't even know what that is. We're talking about picking and pulling. 
but I wonder if you can explain what it means in general. Yeah, and sure. Why don't I um, start with that? So a BFRB, it stands for Body Focused Repetitive Behaviors. And for the parents out there, this is the most common disorder that you'll never hear about. And the way I like to define it, usually BFRBs are going to be nail biting, which everybody knows about, Um, skin picking, which not everybody knows about. It could also be cuticle picking, but also hair pulling, as well as cheek biting. And when they become a problem is when the habit becomes unstoppable and out of control. And the person who is doing the action is starting to feel a lot of distress um, internally, as well as you can get damage externally. So if you're a hair puller, you can start having bald spots. If you're a cheek biter, you can start having sores in your mouth. With nail biting, same thing. You can get down to the quick and really hurt. Um, And that's really, it's like I said, it's the most common disorder that you'll never hear about. That is so true. And it's interesting because even in your description, there are things that you're adding that I really wouldn't have even known are included, which I guess they seem obvious, but I mean, cheek biting is something I completely do. (laughs) And that's an interesting thing, I think, for parents to hear that it's not just, you know, picking and pulling, but cheek biting or cuticle, you know, down to the, to the tip is a, is a big issue. What about, um, cracking your bones? Is that considered a BFRB or no? Not that we've seen. Nose picking is, I think it has to be something that's focused on the body and very repetitive. Okay. Uh, Like the motion is repetitive too. Um, Okay. But yeah, I don't think we've seen, I've never seen any literature about like knuckle cracking. Um, or elbow cracking. <laughs> I crack my elbow so much that like my joint hurts and I like, I can't even open my arm, which is really mm-hmm. weird. So I always wondered, is that considered a BFRB? Because it's so, it's damaging and it's so repetitive. It is. Hmm. But yeah, who knows? Haven't, like, maybe there just haven't been enough cases presented to doctors to know that it exists as like an issue. <laughs> I'm serious because that's that's the only way, right? Is is by telling your doctor you have this so that the number of use cases can be reported and and the data is correct so that doctors and researchers can know what to be studying. Yeah, oh, I totally agree. I think it's an issue. <laughs> it's a personal issue. So a lot of times in my practice, well, I see a huge correlation between um, picking and pulling behavior and anxiety and OCD. You know, I just think the same part of the brain is activated and I see just a huge overlap, but I also think there's a lot of um, confusion on that. I think a lot of times parents that I talk to will think there's some sort of, that there's always a trauma or a stress related to it. And so I really wanted to spell a lot of assumptions that parents make and also talk about how to help. So in general terms, what do you think um, are some maybe misperceptions or assumptions people make that are incorrect? Yeah, I mean, so in terms of what's causing a BFRB, um, it could be trauma, but it could just be hormonal change. It could be some like environmental change. I don't think it necessarily has to be some big issue um, that's like causing some change. The I was just at this conference this weekend and they were talking about how genetics are involved and it's a genetic mutation, but life events can affect your genes and hormonal changes can affect your genes. So it could be anything. And that's the problem is we just, because it's so different for everyone and the onset is so different for everyone, the treatment has to be different for everyone. Yeah. Um, And we're not there yet to even know what that treatment can be. Um, other misconceptions are that people are doing it to themselves, like it's a choice. Like I want to sit and pull out my, all of my eyebrows and eyelashes. Um, but it's really that subconscious mind, that automatic, um, brain that's, that's making that decision for me. It's, it's the same brain that's telling your, your heart to pump and your lungs to breathe in and out. Like you're not conscious of it. Um, and I think that's a huge misconception is that it's a choice. And because it's a choice, we're weird for doing it. And there's something wrong with us. And that's just false. And that's a really good point. Because I do hear a lot of people call it Mm self-harm. And 
and I, I feel like that's incorrect. You know, it's, it's really not a self-harming behavior. It's a, a compulsive behavior, but it's not a self-harming behavior. So I wanted to go into both of your stories because I, I am a huge storyteller. I feel like that's how people learn um, on my podcast, pretty much in anything I ever do. I'm always, even in my practice, I'm always telling stories, stories to help people learn. So I thought it would be great to hear both of you had this experience. You're both struggling with it. And I think it'd be great to hear your own story about what it was like as a child growing up with this issue and how it felt with the people around you and how you, how you coped with it. Well, Anil, why don't you go first? Because then we can also get into how I came to to work with you because it did begin with you. Um, So I started pulling in my early teens and I don't know exactly when, um, but I do remember like just starting to pull. Um, And for me, I do believe that there were some traumas involved that kind of amplified that gene for me. Um, One was we moved to a new neighborhood and it was moving from like kind of like a working class neighborhood to a very like first class neighborhood, if you will. And it was not first class. So, and I was very much reminded of that every day. Um, And then my dad got sick with cancer. So I think both of those things just led me to looking for a soothing mechanism. And I used to, I used to suck my thumb and I used to be a hair twirler as well. So I think for me, those were like the precursors. Um, But I also think it was environment. I was bullied a lot and I'm Indian and I had really bushy eyebrows. So getting affected, you know, everyone sort of noticing, noticing, noticing at some point, you're like, I need to do something about it. And you start tweezing and then the tweezing kind of goes awry um, because it's a little bit of this pleasurable experience in a way. I mean, there is a reward involved. There's like the sense of accomplishment when you're pulling and you get that one that you need to get, but it never stops at that one, which is the repetitiveness and the, and the, the stronghold that the disorder has on you. Um, and so I hid for, you know, 20 plus years out of that shame that we were talking about before that people think you're doing it to yourself, think you're weird. And I already had enough reasons that I was weird that I didn't want other people to know about this. And it really led a lot of my decision-making and it fed a lot of negative self-speak. Like you're not good enough. You're ugly. No one's going to like you. Don't even bother trying out for the team. Like, and so it made a lot of decisions for me. Um, and so I hid, but now not anymore because now I understand it better and now I'm in just a better place. And I'm hoping that by sharing my story, I can help other people get to a better place much faster. Which I think is amazing because I do feel like I've never talked to a kid who had heard about it, um, or who wasn't embarrassed by it. Every single kid that has come into my practice, you know, when we address the picking or pulling, they'll say, you mean other people do this? You mean like there's a name for it? And there's just this huge relief because normally they start off with, well, I, I do something kind of weird, you know, and I don't want to talk about it. It's, it's really weird. And I think also for a lot of kids, they do stuff when they pull, you know, so there's, there's behaviors around it as far as like eating the hair or saving the hair um, or even like eating the blood. Like I've heard lots of different things that are like part of the, part of the ritual of doing it has some behaviors that, that shame them and they feel really embarrassed. And I think when you say, yep, heard that one too, or if you even asked, and then what do you do with the hair? You know, do you eat it or do you save it? And they're like, yes, I do. How do you know that? So I think sharing your story is amazing because the more people know about this, like anything else, the less um, stigma is attached to it. So Ellen, what, what was your story growing up? And then we'll talk about Anila, like how you not only came out and shared your story, but you created an amazing thing that is helping people all over the world. Um, and even my little one deal with it, like an engineering phenomena. And we'll talk about that at the end because, um, she is special, not only because she's sharing her story, but because she developed an incredible thing. And we're going to talk about that at the end of the episode. But Ellen, I wanted to talk about your story as well. Sure. So um, like Anila, I started also when I was about 11. And I, but I know exactly where I was. And I have no idea why I started. But I was in gym class. And I was nerdy. Um, I wore eyeglasses since I was four years old. 
I um, was standing in gym class. We were outside. No one wanted to pick me for the team. And for whatever reason, I just was, I guess, touching my hair because it felt good. And I pulled one hair right out of my head and zing, I was hooked. And I remember um, that I would, I would pull a lot here and I would have, I didn't even realize that I had bald spots in the back of my head. So I'm going to the hairdresser with my mom and Fatima was cutting our hair and she calls my mother over and she says, something's wrong with Ellen. She's got, she's got these bald spots right back here. So of course they're both staring at me and I'm looking like, Ann Sino put gum in my hair, come up with a lie. And I had to pull it out. So no, everything's fine. And so throughout my childhood, I remember sitting in class and the bell would ring and I'd look down and there'd be hair and going to bed, taking the hair and just trying to dispose of it behind the bedpost. And there was, there was hair everywhere, but I did a really good job because I had a big thick head of hair of trying to cover it up. But then when I was in college, um, what was remarkable and what was wonderful is um, I took an abnormal psych class. And that's when I learned what trichotillomania was. Because when I grew up in the 70s, 80s, there wasn't an internet. So I, you know, who knew what this was? I thought I was the only one. So it was really wonderful to find out that there was a name. But that didn't do anything. So I, and I also went into treatment. I um, tried medication. I tried group. I tried therapy. I tried acupuncture, diet. Every single thing I tried, nothing really would work. Uh, except for one thing, one one thing did work for me, which was group therapy. But as soon as the group therapy ended, so did my success. And this kind of leads into um, how I met Anila. So you know, I've been pulling for forty years, and my kids did not know. I hid it from everybody. The only one who knew was my husband, and I swore him to secrecy. He has all these issues. We talk about it as a family, but you could not talk about mom's hair pulling. No, 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 no. So nobody knew. And then um, after three hours of pulling one night, I got on the internet. And what's the new breakthroughs in trichotillomania? And I found what Anil is going to talk about, which is this keen bracelet. And so I decided to give it a go. And within probably days, I felt changes because I started to become aware. And I'll let Anila talk a little bit more about the bracelet. And then I decided, oh my God, this is truly changing my life. I have to call them up. So I researched the company. There's four people there. They don't know who I am, but I called up and I said, you know, I don't know if this is needed or wanted, but you have changed my life and I want to help others. And I'm on the East Coast and they're on the West Coast and in, in Minneapolis. I said, coast. <laughs> Let's work together. Can I help? And we decided we liked the interactions that we had. Let's give it a try. And so now here I am sitting with the two of you. And I am so thrilled and proud to be able to say I'm a hair puller. And, I have, and I've been able to control, control it to where I feel really good about myself and I'm not embarrassed to talk about it. And then to be able to sit here and share tips and tricks so that others can also feel the same. Which is great. And um, let's talk about the bracelet since you brought it up. And I think it's, I, I love the way you came to work with Anila because it's like such an inspiring story. It's like, she didn't just like, you know, respond to a want ad and, you know, just wanted to, you know, get a job. It was like, she sought you out, which I think is so cool because you want to have people who are passionate on your team, you know, and come from the same place in their heart. So I think that's so awesome. Thank you. And and it's interesting how both of you kind of concealed it for a really long time. Yeah. So I want to come back to that. But let's talk about the bracelet. And then I want to come back to that because I think that parentally, that's a really important thing that you both have in your story. So Anila, can you talk about, so it's called the Keen Bracelet. Can you talk about how you got the idea? I mean, it's kind of obvious, but talk about maybe the inspiration <laughs> a little bit more and, and how it works. Yeah. So the Keen Bracelet it's by our company name is Habit Aware, so you can get it from the Habit Aware website, um, habitaware.com. Um, but what, what, how we came about with the idea was quite simply, like I said, I hid the disorder for 20 plus years. And it really wasn't until about three years ago that I finally shared my secret. And it was more so out of, not that I wanted to, but just that I was caught. 
usually my method for hiding my hair pulling was a makeup, like eyeliner on my eyebrows and eyeliner on my eyes so that you couldn't see that there was something missing. Um, but one morning I just couldn't get that on in time and my husband caught me and this was right after my son's birth. So I think the hormones were actually affecting my hair pulling. So I was pulling a lot more. So it was very much more noticeable. Um, and so he just turned around and looked at me and I was a deer in headlights and he just said, where are your eyebrows? And I did not have an answer. I mean, I knew at that point that it was trichotillomania and it was hair pulling disorder, but I just couldn't really get out the words. So I think I was silent for what felt like six hours. And then finally I said, I have this disorder. And then we got to talking. And then over the next few weeks, he did his own research um, started to kind of understand a little bit more. I think he was actually kind of hurt that I never told him and that I was hiding it from him. But for me, I was just, I just didn't want him to think that this was a flaw and that it made me unworthy of being married to and unworthy of his love. So I think it took him a couple of weeks to kind of get to that and understand that, but he was super supportive. And then one day we're just sitting on the couch watching TV and my hands are up playing and pulling and he just gently grabs my hand and pulls it away. And in that moment, I just said, I wish I had something that notified me that wasn't you because while I appreciated the the gesture of that gentle, you know, removal of the hand, it's also super annoying when someone tells you don't do it. <laughs> right. You want to do it more. You want to do it more. You huh. just want to be like, and it's really hard. And I think that's something as parents, like everything that you tell a child, right? Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't eat candy. Like you just want to go run to the candy jar. Like it's kind of how it is. Um, so in that moment, we are technophiles and we knew it could be built and we started figuring out how to do it. Which I think is amazing. Yeah. So the bracelet, do you want to talk a little bit about how the bracelet works? Yeah. So what it does is you train the bracelet using an app, um, either iOS or Android. It's like a one minute process. You just train the bracelet for that specific motion that you do. So we're looking, we ask the person for whatever that, um, you know, that looking for skin imperfections, whether it's on the face or the back or the arms or you know, look, scanning through your hair for that one little one that you need to get, that one that feels weird, or your eyebrows, um, and you train it for that motion. And then the bracelet is basically just looking for that mathematical calculation that the, that motion's created. And when it gets a match, it sends a little vibration. And that vibration is like a little hug around your wrist, like a positive, gentle reminder saying, hey, your hands are not where you want them to be. And then after that, it's about replacing the behavior. So what we do is we're building that awareness, which is that very first step. When you go to a, a psychologist, a therapist, they're going to say, take the sheet of paper and write down every time you do the behavior and what you're thinking and where you are and to try to understand what's, what might be triggering it. But you can't write it down if you don't know what's happening and you can't change it if you don't know what's happening. So we come in at that very first step of awareness. And then after that, uh, the goal is to learn to replace the behavior. So we include a deep breathing light <clears throat> right here on the bracelet. So you can initiate that. And it's trying to teach you how to kind of shift from um, one of these hair pulling or skin picking soothing mechanisms to something more positive so that over time that becomes your go-to, if that makes sense. So you're retraining your brain away from that negative behavior to something more positive, something more healthy. It could be grabbing a, grabbing a uh, fidget cube or a squeezy ball, or maybe doing an exercise that you're working on with your therapist or writing or art or knitting, anything to keep the hands busy or to reshift the energy in your body. Yeah. It's any, it's anything that brings you joy and, and truly what it's doing. And it's not, once you have the awareness and you, then you are able to do other things like Anila said. And then that builds other pathways in your brain. So if you think about it, we do the same things all the time. We get up in the morning, we brush our teeth, we drink our coffee, we have our oranges, whatever it is that we're doing. And we have certain pathways that we walk down in our brain. Same thing with how we talk, same thing with how we think about ourselves. And those don't change. 
but you can build other pathways in your brain. And so if you start to build other pathways and those start to grow and become green and lush, then you start walking down those pathways and you start walking less down the other pathways. And so what Keen's really done is it's brought awareness. And like when I first started wearing it, I had really didn't realize how often, I mean, I knew I was doing it. Awareness is slippery. You know you're doing something, but you have no idea how often you're doing it. So Keen helps you do that. But, but I also think it's important to let parents know this is only one little part of it. That you have to become aware. And we're not here telling you that you have to have Keen because you can find awareness in other ways. This is just a very private and personal way to be reminded so that, like Anila said, she doesn't want her husband, and I didn't like my husband telling me, take your hands, take your hair, hands away from your hair. No, no one wants that. It's your own little private person, little whisper, whatever it is saying, hands down. And then it's what's next. So I was thinking before our, our time today on this podcast is what, what can parents do? And just to kind of jump into that a little bit, the most important thing a parent can do, and I was talking to my kids about this, is don't say, stop it. Take your hands out of your mouth. Take your hands away from your head. Take your hands, whatever, because that's not going to work. That's the first thing parents have to, they have to like, and mums the word. I hope you're enjoying this interview and we'll be right back. You're listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more parenting support, check out Natasha's parenting e-courses on a variety of topics. Each parenting e-course includes a series of teaching videos that can be watched at your own pace. For more information, visit anxioustoddlers.com forward slash parenting hyphen videos. Well, what, what can parents do? And parents need to be supportive. And one of the things I was thinking about is people who have a, a BFRB typically will do the behavior in certain places. It could be in the car. It's, um, it could be while you're studying. It could be while you're at your desk. It could be at night while you're getting ready for bed. So I was thinking, you know, if you could get a basket of things that would bring your child joy and you just put them strategically in those places. And those things could be, I like pencil erasers. I like the feel of them. So I have pencil erasers everywhere. But what, what is that going to be? Is it going to be a fidget toy? Is it going to be a piece of silky um, fabric? Is it going to be water bottles? Is it going to be chewing gum? Fill it with all of those things and fill it with a mirror, right? So you can be aware. So maybe what you do, and this is not a mirror, this is a, my bullet journal, but imagine this is a mirror. If the mirror is right here, which you, and I'm working on my computer, and I kind of get a glimpse of myself doing this, I become aware and I can put my hands down. I like so that. I think having a mirror might be a really good tool for people who, who are pulling and picking and they have their hands in their mouth. Because if you see yourself, you're going to put it down. Without mirrors, we don't see ourselves. So that could be another awareness tool in addition to or um, something like this. Now, when you're at school, that's a different story. You probably can't have a mirror with you. And when you're at school, you might not be able to have a basket, but maybe in your pencil case, it's filled with whatever brings you joy. Yeah. And there yeah. are, you have some really great ideas. I love the mirror idea because I think... Yeah, if you see your reflection and you see your hands, I think it's so automatic that a lot of times people are completely unaware. And so just that that feedback, that visual feedback is awesome. And there are a lot of things that kids can take to school. Um, in my office, I buy kids a lot of stuff. Like I buy things that go on top of their um, their pencils. There's, And I'll leave a link below in the podcast and the YouTube video um, for like just different fidget stuff. But like I actually just this week ordered Dr. Seuss pencils and they have like crazy hair, but for a lot of kids, they just like to, to have that sensory input or rings that, um, that purposely move, you know, right. so there's something that you can do or bracelets that you can pick at. Like there's those like fuzzy kind of yeah. um, bracelets that you can pull at. So I think it is just finding, or even mermaid bracelets. I have a couple of kids with mermaid bracelets, which are those, um, you know, those pillows, those sequence pillows that change when you go up and down, they make slappy bracelets with them. So you can get like 13 on Amazon. (laughs) So I just buy a pack and then it's something else that kids can push back and forth. 
But I think it's just tapping into what works for your kids and giving them a replacement behavior, which I think is good. You also think the thing that I like about Keen too is kids won't track. They're not going to necessarily track their behaviors. And so Keen has kind of a button that every time a child does it, they can press it. And then the parent can have the app and they can be tracking it. And so a lot of times in the past, in my practice, I would say, this was probably terrible advice, but I would say, take a picture in the beginning of the week. And then at the end of the week, we'll take a picture. And if there's been some growth, like hair growth or no damage, they'll earn something, you know, as like just an added incentive. Mm -hmm. But I like, I like the ownership and the independence of tracking it themselves and then having making a fun game and incentivizing it and saying you know if your number goes down you know then you can earn something and I think giving them that independence to do that would be cool and the other thing about Keen that I'm not sure if it was clear when you were talking about it is that it has a light that you can kind of breathe with Mm -hmm. and kids don't know how to breathe in the way that we try to train them they don't even like breathing And so I think any, like, you know, every kid I ever try to breathe is like, what? Even this morning with my six-year-old, I was trying to get her to breathe because she was feeling nauseous going to school because we deal with anxiety. And I'm like, breathe in, hold for two, breathe out. You know, and she was just like. A really good way to explain deep breathing to kids. When you breathe in, picture like the most delicious New York style pizza and like you're smelling it, like. And then when you breathe out, it's you're at your birthday and the candles are there and your family and friends are around and you're blowing out the candle. So you're associating two like cool positive images as well. That's doing the deep breathing without like the counting and stuff, which even I'm just like, I just do the, I just do pizza and birthday cake. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I've heard birthday cake. I like the pizza inhale. That's, that's a good like supplement. Well, the other thing too, I think is important with parents is in addition to don't say, don't stop, Mm -hmm. is don't praise the um, progress, meaning the growth, because you can pull it out. It's really praising the system that you have in place that will help you with with pulling or picking less. Mm -hmm. Because the truth is we have these disorders and to try to strive to be a hundred percent pull free is impossible. And it's, it's not necessary um, to, you want to be, you want to pull and pick less, but for me, I'm about a good 90, 95%. And I'm really super psyched about that. And I'm okay that I'm not 100%. And I don't beat myself up if I pull one. I don't. Um, and I think with parents, what's really hard is it's so visual. Your kid could go to school with eyebrows and come home with half an eyebrow and your eyes are really wide. And the kid sees that your eyes are really wide and then feels that they're disappointing you. It's and then they so hard. Themselves. So, and this is really, really hard for parents, but if parents could you know, really more compliment and encourage the process yeah. versus the the growth that's happening. So that's a good, that's a good point. So Ellen, I wonder if you guys can elaborate on that because, because as a parent to a child who's picking right now, so it's everywhere. So I, I pick, I treat people who pick and I have a kid who picks. So it's, it's everywhere. It, her picking. So I have two, I have two out of my three kids do some sort of picking or pulling. So my 14 year old pulls her eyebrows. She was easy. We had a talk about it. I said, this is a thing. She said, this is a thing. I said, yeah, this is a thing. There's a name for it. It's trichotillomania because you have anxiety. It runs in our family. You're prone to this genetically. And, you know, this is what it is. And that was enough for her to say, okay. And she got it under control. There was like really no more conversation. I think I saw it twice. And I just said, are you tweezing or are you, you know, pulling? Because she pulls with her hands. And she said, I'm working on it, mom. And that was it. And she's had no problems. Come little miss six, two years later, and she has taken it to another level. She is creating scabs on her forehead, like open wounds that make me queasy. (laughs) And we have talked about it as well, but I am doing everything wrong because I see her and I want to 
one, it makes me nauseous because I've seen her physically hurt herself. It's looking like it's going to get infected. And so it is so hard to say, stop or, Hey, you're picking again. Mm -hmm. And like, it takes every bone in my body to, to have some restraint and not say that. And so what should parents do? Because I totally get that. If you see your child has like no eyebrows or has an open wound as a parent, how do we, how do we, um, one, not say anything and, and feel good about it. Feel like we're doing something that's actually the right thing to do. And two, how do we reinforce the progress? Like you're saying. Yeah, that's really, really hard. And, 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 and I, my daughter bites her nails and I know better. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Get your hands out of your mouth. I mean, we, we all do it. So we also, as parents need to cut ourselves some slack. Um, and so what I, I think some of it is being prepared with, so if you have those, if you have the basket of things that maybe mm-hmm. if you're seeing your daughter doing this, that you hand her something else because she can't pick if she's touching something, right? So maybe you're trying to do a different behavior. Um, so you, you hand her something to play with versus so that she's not doing this. Um, and, and Neela, what do you think? Do you have any initial? Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. Just divert attention away from it or start talking about something else. Um, like I see my son playing with his eyebrows and I don't know if he's learned it from me or if he's, you know, if it's in him. Right. But, and the only time I see it is at bedtime when we're like all cuddled up and I'm holding my baby and putting him to sleep and I'm sitting in bed with my older one. And I just ask for his hand. I just like grab his hand um, and just play with him. Like, just like, I just want to hold your hand right now. It's bedtime. Let's say our prayers. So for me, like, that's what I'm trying to do. Um, but if I, if I would see it, I don't, I haven't yet, but if I see it during the day, then I will just try to say, Hey, let's go do an activity. Let's go, you know, like, let's change the environment. Let's change. Let's go do something else. Let's go outside and play. Um, that would be what I would try to focus on. And it's interesting, Ellen, what you said about, um, focusing on like that journey on the, the effort, right? It's mm-hmm. just, it's the thing. It's the, it's Carol Dweck's growth mindset, right? You don't praise the A plus you praise the, the effort that was put into the A plus. Oh, you studied, must've studied really hard. Oh, you must be really working on your deep breathing. Um, so to kind of praise the progress or, or praise the process rather than the result. And I think in doing that, that, is planting that little changing the voice in your child's head a little bit. Like when they catch themselves, then they will, then they will say, Oh, mom was really proud of me when I was doing deep breathing. Let me go do that. Like they will remember that right. Instead of the, and then it'll hopefully just sort of domino effect that you're focusing on what they're doing. Right. And they will continue to do what they're doing. Right. Versus keep focusing on what they're doing wrong. That's all they're hearing. Right. Don't, don't pull your hair out. You know, we were talking about earlier, kids see in words. There's no visual for don't. So they hear, pull your hair out. And they're, that's what they keep hearing. That's what they're going to keep doing. But if you say, hey, grab your squeezy ball or, hey, come sit with me and do a deep breathing exercise. I'm feeling a little tense too right now. Let's sit together and do one. You know, I think if you can join your child on the journey, and hugs are great too. Like if you just don't know what to say, just go over and hug your kid and say, I love you. You know, I love that. It's, it seems so obvious. <laughs> you know, like we do that. And it's really, hard in the mo- it's really hard in the moment, right? In the moment, you just want to be like, Hey, get your hands out of your hair. Right. But you have to, it's all about your own awareness too. Like you have to kind of take that step back, take your own deep breath and then go over and, and calmly assess and, you know, get them out of that situation. And yeah, it does catch them doing something right. So if mm-hmm. you see your daughter and she's playing with her, whatever it is, versus doing this, you say, Hey, you know, I noticed that you were doing blah, blah, blah. And so that catching them doing something right. And sometimes I write down that I want to catch each of my family member doing something right. <laughs> I don't always do that. <laughs> but right. So that you can start to, do get yeah. those things. You know, I just said to my daughter the other day, Hey, I noticed you emptied the dishwasher without even being asked. That was really great. Thank you. You know, it's just catching them doing something right. And if you can catch them doing things right with playing with things as well as just in general, 
right? Because we're all going to have setbacks and things are going to happen. And your kid might come to you crying because, look, I have one eyebrow now. And then in tears, I'm never going to be able to stop. So then the other tool I would suggest is use the word yet. You're not able to stop yet. Let's think about a time where you were able to do, were able to um, stop yourself. What were those things that you did? How can we get more of those into your life right now? So it, 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 it's a journey and it will always be a journey. Yeah. And if, if you can focus and start to build those pathways and focus on the things that bring you joy and that you're doing right, we all do things that are wrong. But let's focus on things that we do right and we learn from the things we do wrong. And it's not easy. And then when we yell at our kids, we have to forgive ourselves too. And we have to acknowledge it and we have to go say sorry too, right? Yeah. I yell at my kid and then I say, I'm, you know, I'm sorry I did that. That was not the right way to handle that situation. And so you're teaching them too how to be and how you have to lead. So there's everyone is doing something wrong in life, right? So <laughs> If you have to start noticing what you're doing wrong, show them that you're trying to change, show them that it's hard and it's not, you know, there's no magic bullets out there, but if you can show them how to do it, they can take that and they can, they can kind of harness it too. And that energy changes in your house too, right? Like you thank your daughter for doing the dishes. She'll thank her sister for, you know, folding the laundry for her. And it, and it creates like a different vibe in the house. Yeah, it does. And I think that's so good to bring it all back because I mean, I get all that, you know, and I think, but then when you throw in some really scary behavior, it's so hard to remember all these things that you're bringing up that you really need to approach it in the exact same way, you know, being uplifting, being empowering, highlighting good, you know, focusing on the positive. Like these are all things that we all try to, to do in our houses for everything else. But I think when we see picking and pulling that goes out the window and yeah. it shouldn't because it's just as effective for that, which is, is good to bring up. Yeah. yeah. I think people just think it's so foreign, the behavior, right? It just doesn't make any sense to a lot of people, even the people doing it. Right. And it's so foreign that we don't know how to, to, to handle it, but the answers are in front of us. The, mm-hmm. it's, this, it's very similar. And for me, it's becoming more not about the disorders, but just about learning to be a good human. It's about compassion. It's about, and if you can learn these skills at these young ages, if if kids can learn deep breathing at five and six years old, then when they're 35 and, you know, running tech companies that are super stressful, they're going to be in better positions. Yeah. Handle it. Exactly. I also think it's good to educate kids like on what it is. And I got this book, um, Bad Habits Take Hold. Have you ever seen this? Oh, yeah. I, I have. This is a great book. Somebody, so I was, um, I was talking about my daughter and on my private Facebook group. It's not even for me. It's to support other people. And I was, somebody was talking about one of their kids was pulling. And another therapist on there said, well, you should read Bad Habits by Dawn Huebner. And I was like, she has a book on this? So this was great because I read this, I'm starting to read it with my six-year-old and it's really like she's one, it's normalizing it because it's in a book mm-hmm. and two, she's starting to come up with her own um, coping mechanisms. So she like lately, cause it talks about blocking as one of the, the things that you should do. And so lately she's been wanting to wear her hair kind of long over her head and I'll see her kind of flattening her hair out. And I said, what are you doing? And she said, I'm blocking mom. So when I feel like I want to pick, I'm smoothing my hair out and it feels better. Awesome. And I never taught her that. She came up with that herself through the book. So I think um, for parents, what I'm getting from you guys is kind of, it's not our battle. And I always say that about OCD and anxiety, but it's so true with this too. It's not our battle. So we have to educate our kids and then just empower them and highlight the good that they're doing. You know, one thing I did want to bring up, we talked about at the beginning is the difference between a BFRB and OCD. And one one of the things I think parents need to know, which is so important, is BFRBs are soothing. OCD is not soothing. Kids who have OCD who are washing their hands, they don't want to wash their hands. And it's not soothing when their hands are getting, that they have to do this all the time Mm -hmm. or they have to hit the same 
same step every day where with, with, well, we don't want to pull and we don't want to pick. It feels good. I don't think OCD and, and Natasha, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think OCD feels good. No. And I think that's the hard part is the OCD compulsions don't feel good, but the, the brain, you know, a, a child that has OCD is more likely to have a BFRB and use that as a coping mechanism. Oh, okay. And yeah. so, you know, now I have to tap or I have to wash and I'm stressed and this feels really good. Right. And so, and my brain is more activated to do that. And so now I'm more likely to use that as a coping mechanism. And so that's, that's the tricky part is, um, is giving them a different coping mechanism. Right. And I think it's important that you said that so parents know the difference too. Yeah. Because they, they are, well, they, a lot of things are commingled and we do a lot of the same things. They are two different beasts. They're very different. And I think the treatment for it is completely different. Yeah. And I think that's, it, it is important for parents to hear. And I do think a lot of times parents will say to me, you know, Natasha, I pull my hair out just to see what it feels like. And it does not feel good to me. And so I don't understand it. And I do feel like that's where the physiological aspect comes in. Um, because I need smooth skin. So I like, you know, I roam my skin to find the bump so I can smooth it out. And then I feel satisfied. If I pull my eyebrow, that hurts. And I don't, I don't get that reward. It doesn't, it's not pleasurable for me. And so I explained to parents, we're wired all differently. You probably don't care if you have a bump on your neck, but to me, that would drive me nuts, Mm -hmm. you know, but to your child, when they pull out their hair, there is some reward, some satisfaction they're getting. And so even if you don't understand it as a parent, it's still happening to your child. Like I don't get the skin picking where you're creating scabs, but it's satisfying to my daughter. Yeah. It's that sense of accomplishment that you're getting, you're getting it right. You're getting it. Hogging the crap out of you. Yeah. (laughs) That's a very interesting word. And I think important for parents. So they say, I don't get it because I, I don't feel joy out of it. Well, it's also, well, some people like diet pepper and some people hate diet pepper, right? Mm -hmm. Like my daughters love diet pepper. I'm like, oh, it tastes disgusting. Why would you like that? Well, they like it. So everybody is different and you have to respect that. And, and I think you're educating yourself is so important. Yeah. With parents, it's, you know, we want to, we want our kids to be happy and we, we want them to. It, we don't want them to be made fun of. We don't, we want them to be happy. We don't want them to feel pain and seeing these things that they're going through physically seeing the sores mm-hmm. or the hair missing is really hard for parents or the hands in the mouth. Yeah. It's really hard for us. But you, what you said, Natasha is so important. It isn't our journey. It's their yeah. journey. We can only be there with them to give them the supplies that they need because they're kids. Yeah. So, and to, and to cheer them on in the proper way, but we can't, we can't control them and we can't make it stop. And we, and parents have to accept that. And that is a hard thing. It's a hard thing for them to accept. And I totally get it because it's scary to accept something like that. Yeah. And you know, maybe you don't accept it, but you don't judge. I'm not saying you, I'm saying it just came to me that, you know, it, 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 maybe, maybe it's one of those things that we just, it's hard for us to, to, to accept, but we know that we need to accept. So we fake it till we make it. Yeah. Smile and nod when our kid walks in without eyebrows, because you don't want to have those wide eyes open. And then they know, Oh crap, I did it again. My mom's going to be mad at me. And it's not about you and your child. It's not about that. And this is what I say for anxiety and OCD as well. It's not about you and your child and the dynamic between you and them and that they should, that you're disappointed when they do this, or they should feel like they have upset you. It's not about you. It's about them. And, and I think we can inadvertently make it about us when we look disappointed or we look shocked or we look stressed um, or we're constantly working harder at this issue than they are. Then it, then it becomes, well, I don't want to upset my mom or I don't want to disappoint my mom. And you don't want that in your relationship. That's not good. Right. That's probably the reason I hit it. Like I didn't want to upset them. She was already going through so much with my father being sick. Like she didn't need another thing, but I don't know. I don't know where I would be. Like, 
I'm at a point where I'm at peace with it all, you know, like it was my journey and it got me, it may have been hell back then, but you know, I mean, I'm good now and I'm helping others. So I'm in a good place and I would don't even want to think about what would have happened if she did know and she was involved and I would have been on a different path, mm-hmm. you know, and I may not have gotten to the point where I was 30 plus years old and my husband caught me with eyebrows and without eyebrows and, you know, then this wouldn't exist. So everything is happening for a reason. And I think people need to just understand that even for their own kids and just check the whole, my kid is a reflection of me. And if my kid is a reflection of my parenting at the door, you know, like my kid is my kid and I am going to mess them up. I'm not going to mess them up. Like just leave that, like get, let it go. Cause they're going to go on their own journey and, all you can do is be those footsteps next to them yeah. when they're, when they need you and when they don't need you, you got to just say, okay. And I think that's a good point because it's, this is not a parenting problem. This, and a lot of parents will say that to me, what have I done that would make my child want to rip their hair out of their skull? Mm-hmm. And I think hopefully this is educating some people to realize this has nothing to do with your parenting. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, there are parenting approaches to help this that I'm definitely learning today um, that are totally counterintuitive, but it's not about, you don't cause this. Parents don't cause this in their kids. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, they don't. And I think um, the bad habits take hold. They do come up with a, like a lot of good ideas. And, and what I'm noticing, because I, you know, when my daughter started first picking, you know, I just, I lathered her with band-aids. I just like popped those little band-aids on her forehead. And I was like, we're done. This is over. And what I was doing was I was taking her journey away from her. And I was like disempowering her because I was saying, I'm going to control your little body. I'm going to put barriers on and you're not going to do this anymore. And instead of engaging with her and saying, how do you want to maybe block this? What would help you not do this? I just took control and now she's coming up with her own ideas. Mom, I like when I put my hair down and I can't, I can't get to it. That's working a lot better than the band-aids because she would just find a spot that wasn't covered and there's not a big enough band-aid to cover that forehead. I tried, (laughs) but she would find another spot, but now no band-aids, but her idea of not blocking, of blocking it with her hair and her, her scabs are healing along with the keen. She's wearing the keen. She's getting noticed. And she's coming up with her own ideas. And all I do is say, do you want to wear your keen today? We call it her love bug. Do you want to wear your love bug today? And she said, yep, put it on, mom. And that's, that's the only role I have in it. And it's you awesome. know, one thing that would be great too is this is perfect to talk about the praising of the journey. Mm-hmm. I noticed you were wearing your love bug today. That's really great. I noticed that you, that you came up with an idea for your hair. I think that's really marvelous. You know, yeah. whatever it might be, your, your, encouraging her and catching her where she's come up with ideas so you, and they're good ideas. And you're letting her know that you noticed her good idea. Yeah. That's a win for you. Yeah. And, and it her. has to be, it has to be their choice. There's, yeah. you know, you strapping the bracelet onto her wrist every morning without her. I mean, it's not going to work. It has to be their choice. They have to be ready to change whether it's their own, inner desire to change or external I'm getting bullied and I want to stop this, you know, however that, that desire is, is manifesting as long as they are ready to change these, this will work and other tactics are going to work because then they're ready to take in that information and to, to make different choices and to experiment and see what's going to work for them. Band-aids didn't work for your daughter, but you know, covering it with her hair brilliant right and she doesn't need to go find the band-aid she's got her toolkit right there right with her which is great which is also why I love deep breathing because then you don't need always the basket of stuff like you may be at a friend's house and what are you going to do if you can't find something sensory right so if you can build your toolkit of many things it's not all about you know keen is not a magic bullet it's part of that toolkit and deep breathing is part of that toolkit sometimes it's not going to Sometimes you're going to have urges where deep breathing is not going to help, but that squeezy ball or that, you know, Dr. Seuss fidget hair top for the pencil is going to be perfect because you need that sensory moment in in that moment. So you have to just keep experimenting to see. And yeah, yeah, I think 
you said earlier, educate, empower, highlight the good. Mm-hmm. That's like, that's all you need to be a good parent in general. Yeah. <laughs> and and if you apply it to BFRBs, then your kid's going to be, you know, on a, in a good in a good place at home to be able to take control. Yeah. And I think some parents just need to hear that, that it's okay to let your child have their own journey in this. You're not being a bad parent by just highlighting the progress they're making and not highlighting when they're pulling. I think some parents intuitively feel like then they're being a bad parent. And I think hopefully this is a good message to those parents to say, you're doing all the right things by just praising, being empowering and educating and letting them come up with their own plan on how to do it. Yeah. And one other thing that came to mind too, is sometimes people are not ready. And I've been there where, you know, I'm, I'm just going to do this one spot and this is going to be my spot and I'm going to do it and I'm going to love it because it's like eating. If I can eat all the cookies I want and not get fat, I'm going to eat them. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to pull a certain amount and be able to live with it. And I was okay with that. And you're going to, parents are going to find that there's going to be kids that do not want to give it up. They don't care. And that parent cares. And, but the kid doesn't care. So that parent's going to have to walk away. They're going to have to allow the child to do what they're doing and walk away. And that's going to be really, 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 really hard. It is. It's going to be really hard. You can still read, you can still educate, but then at the end of the day, it's going to be your child's choice. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes there's people who, who have, um, you know, trichotillomania and they've decided, you know what, I'm just going to shave my head. They might want to do that and I'm going to pull and I don't care. And then there's others who do want to stop and and, and you can't convince anybody of anything. It has to come from within and the parent just needs to be there to support as best they can and then find their own support. So if they're in a place where they, they're having difficulty, then they are, there's support groups out there for parents. You can find them on Facebook, um, parents that, need, that, are not, that do not have a BFRB, but they need support because their child does. There's, there's probably, um, they're not th- well, there could be therapy groups, but I'm also thinking about support groups mm-hmm. you know, for parents of kids who have these issues. What do you think is the best website for parents to go to for resources? Oh, BFRB.org, without a doubt. So TLC Foundation for BFRBs for Body Focused Repetitive Behaviors. Their website is BFRB.org. They're the only nonprofit in the U.S. that's dedicated to these issues. Um, There's one in Canada as well. It's not not related, but there's one in Canada. And there's another um, specifically to skin picking called the Picking Me Foundation, which was just recently started, I want to say maybe two years ago, by a skin picker. Um, she's got an incredible story as well. Her name's Lauren and just a heart of gold. And her goal is awareness um, to, to get people understanding of what these, what these things are, to try to normalize the behavior so that, again, there's more compassion. And BFRB.org, hands down, has the resources for parents. Okay. Two, two of the moms in the BFRB org community mem- like members they run a facebook group called tricky picky parenting oh that's cute um, yeah so if if any parents out there do need that support that ellen's talking about i highly recommend it that's where yeah that's where you go to you know complain <laughs> not oh. to your kids but that's where you go to kind of get your get your stuff out right like i we thought we were doing good but little Susie came home with no eyebrow today. What do I do? And that's where you can go to kind of get the support that you need so that you can be the best parent so that you can focus your energy on educating, empowering and highlighting the good for your child and all those other emotions that you're dealing with. You can, you know, deal with them with other parents. (laughs) Yeah. And that's really, I think that's really good to, to feel like you're not alone. So I'll put a link to the website, bfrb.org, and then um, you can find the Facebook group. I'll see if I can find the Facebook group link and maybe put it in the notes too so that parents don't have to kind of fish around. Because I think that would be huge to feel like you're not in it alone. And then also, if you're listening to this on the podcast and you want to see what the Keen Bracelet looks like, um, 
you can go and watch this on YouTube. The whole interview will be up on YouTube at youtube.com backslash C backslash anxious toddler 78. And you can also go to the website. Is it habitware.com? Yep, habitaware.com. Habitaware.com. And I'll put a link so that anyone who's just like, eh, they can just click it and they can head over in that direction too because uh, Keen is a unique tool that I just haven't seen in any other area that is um, super helpful. Yeah. And, and we also have blogs that we're doing as well, mm-hmm. which I find are really helpful for people. And so parents might want to, when they go to habit aware, also look at our blog because we tell different stories and have different tips um, every Wednesday. Cool. Well, that's definitely helpful. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been so informative. It's been so fun. Thank you so much. Very fun. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks. Well, I hope you found some information that was helpful in that interview. I know that I did. And since then, I have been trying not to tell my daughter to stop picking, which is kind of inadvertently what I was doing because I would tell her not to pick and then I'd give her something else to pick. So instead I had read what to do when bad habits take hold with her and I'll leave a link below in the show notes and on my YouTube channel. And she kind of took some ownership of her pulling. Well, it's really her picking and we put like fidget toys, mainly she's really liking these bracelets that she can chew on. And so even though she's not chewing, picking is her problem. Replacing the picking with a, with chewing, because she is kind of a chewer anyway, has helped kind of redirect her attention and give her some physical input and some stress reliever without doing harm to her body. And so we found her danger zones, which tend to be this beanbag that she sits in and the bathroom because she tends to be constipated and the car were and bed. So those were like her, her main danger zones, which they talk about in the book. And we put her fidget bracelets in all those areas. Plus she's wearing one. And we actually also have the keen bracelet. So she wears that when she goes to school and it looks like a Fitbit. So it's not really stigmatizing and that helps when she's away from home. But a lot of times when she comes home, she wants to take it off because she's only six. And so we have the fidget bracelets that are just a reminder to chew on. And and when she is picking, I will say to her, oh, where's your fidget bracelet? Or here's your fidget bracelet instead of don't pick. And I find that, that just that small change in how I redirect her has really helped her self-esteem. And her picking, ironically, has gone down. Also, I, I praise when I see her doing it. And so I'm highlighting the positive and I'm rewarding the positive. So when I see her using her coping mechanisms, or we talk about when her scabs are getting smaller, she earns prizes. So I still do the reinforcer because I think for kids, that's really important and it makes her much more aware and she's excited. Mom, look, my scab is going down. Um, I'm going to get some Robux. (laughs) We use Robux for everything. So anyway, I just wanted to kind of give you an update on how it's going at my house and the tips that they, they shared that Anila and Ellen shared really helped me understand that one, it's not my battle and to, to kind of rein it in a little bit. Cause it's hard when your kids are doing some self, what looks like self-harming behavior, but it's not, but it is harming them and, and encourage them and not kind of get on them in a negative way when they're doing it, which I think is really hard to do. I can do that for anxiety, like 99% of the time. But picking and pulling is a hard one, but I did it and I, I continue to do it like 90% of the time I I'm saying something positive and not don't, don't pick or don't pull and it's helping. I hope you're enjoying the show and don't forget to leave a review or a star to give back and show that you're appreciating my podcast and finding it helpful. Next Tuesday, I am actually going to be talking about social anxiety and not about kids, but you. Parenting with social anxiety is super hard. I'm going to be talking a lot more about social anxiety because one, I have social anxiety. I have kids with social anxiety and I treat social anxiety and it is completely my passion because I deal with it on a personal level so much. And because I love, love is probably a weird word because I'm passionate about social anxiety. I have just made an online class for kids 10 and up and adults. So 
everybody can take this class. Even when I created the class, I found it helpful for me, which is sounds kind of conceited, but I'm just being honest. It really did. So if you are interested in looking at my social anxiety class, you can go to no www, but just anxioustoddlers.teachable.com backslash P as in Paul backslash crush dash social dash anxiety. That's a mouthful. I'll leave a link below in the show notes, but I am going to be doing some podcast and YouTube videos on social anxiety for the next few months to teach people more about social anxiety and motivate people to work on it because it's so liberating to crush social anxiety and not have it dominate your every single moment. (laughs) So anyway, I hope you find a sparkle in everything you do and I'll talk to you next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com.